0: Welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jake Milham, and join me, of course, it's Mondays with Max. We got editor Max Riper here with me tonight. Max, how you doing today? I'm
1: doing good, Jacob. How are you doing?
0: Well, doing all right. I, uh, I feel like I need a nap after watching the Chiefs game. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was very stressed. Uh, I'm about to go outside the house and chain smoke a little bit because I don't know how to get my blood pressure down, man.
1: It was frustrating. Yeah, it was a little. Uh, it, was, it was a roller coaster game for sure. But you know, they still come out with the W, and it's still remarkable to me. I grew up with the Elway Broncos, so they, you know, they had our number there for many years. And the Chiefs, what I think it was like 13 in a row now. I mean, the last time they beat the Chiefs. The Royals hadn't yet won the 2015 World Series. Like, oh, that's man. how long ago it was the same year, I guess. So, you know, yes. that, it's been that long since the, the the Broncos last beat the Chiefs. That's that's really remarkable. And I love every minute of it. I know today was, was still a little bit heartburn for Chiefs fans, but you have to love that they are just going out there and dominating the Broncos each time out.
0: Hey, you know what? I'll I'll take it. I remember when the when the Chiefs were, were really bad and you were just hoping that they beat either the Broncos or the Raiders once a year and you were you're kind of happy with that. But look, we're not here to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll leave that to our friends over at Arrowhead Pride to do that. We're here to talk about some Kansas City Royals and frankly, Max, not a whole lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, so they finished up the winter meetings and uh, we expected things to be kind of slow just because uh, they've got a young team and, and we're not looking, you know, they're not going to spend like the Mets have spent this off season or the Phillies or the Rangers, but we thought, okay, maybe they'll pull off a, a minor trade. Maybe a Michael A. Taylor gets shipped out of town. Maybe they pick up, you know, some young arm, bolster the bullpen a little bit and they just did nothing. Like they could have just, yeah. they could have saved, they could have saved themselves the time and money and kept JJ Piccolo at home. Uh, because they did absolutely nothing over the course of a week. Uh, so I think a little disappointing, number one, just because, you know, you're Royals fans and you want some sort of activity. Like even a minor signing would have been like something at least to for us to talk about <laughs> at the very least. Um, but, you know, also all these other teams are making moves. Even, you know, even the Cleveland Guardians, who are not very big spenders, went out and signed Josh Bell to a $33 million contract. Even teams out of contention are making moves. And I think Greg Walker pointed it out on our site, like he's keeping track of all the transactions this off season. And there's one team that hasn't made a single ma- trade of a major leaguer, hasn't signed a single major league free agent, hasn't signed anyone to a minor league deal, at least anyone that played in the major leagues before. And that is your Kansas city Royals. They have yet to make a move. And for a team coming off 97 losses, that's a little frustrating. So I don't know. Like I know, you know, I think Lesky had a really good article this week over his uh, Inside the Crown that kind of made the case for making a move and the case for staying put. And I think it's a really good pay case for staying put. And look, there's a lot of offseason left to be played. They do have these young this young core they want to look at. But, I, you know, I don't know, Jacob, like it seems like they should be at least be doing some moves to improve this team, bringing back the same team and expecting everyone to get better. Probably not the best recipe for success success i don't know are you kind of looking more at the the long term
0: no i i fully agree with you there's enough holes as it is just going from the 2022 team that they at least need to retool i'm not saying they have to rebuild it all but ahead of the 2022 season the light at the end of the tunnel was hey we have a lot of these young guys that are coming up through the farm system that we're going to promote throughout the 2022 season Bobby Witt Jr., Benny Pasquantino, Nick Prado, just to name a few. Right now, this farm system does not have that. There's a few arms that I personally think can be innings eaters in 2023, but right now the Royals do need to go out and make some moves to at least hold the team together right now. Not saying that they have to sign game changers or nothing like that, but and I, I read that article from – Mr. Leski, I do love his work over there. If you um, if you don't know where to find it, he's over at Substack. You can check it out there. Get a write in your email inbox every single time. Um, I I loved his cases for both. Um, I will say, you know, going out and signing, say like a I don't know, like a a shortstop or a or a second baseman right now, just to make a move that would cause more issues because you're taking time away from these young guys that can contribute for the next competitive Royals team. But right now this Royals team does need at least one or two more veteran starters. They do need help in the bullpen. So Max, I I don't think it's, I just, I just know it's not entertaining. Like it's not, there's not anything to really latch onto. We're still uh, like, I'm trying to think of the last major Royals news, A, a pitching coach change that a whole lot of folks don't know him.
1: Yeah. And look, I, I like you said, I don't expect them to be like signing Justin Verland or anything. And and I understand it's a hot market and it's it's probably a little bit out of the price range. And there there is value, I think, in waiting uh, some, you know, you get discounts the longer the off season goes on. So guys start looking around. You know, it's kind of a game of musical chairs. They look around, they see all the the big spenders have already got filled their rotations and guys start looking around for for where do they want to play next year. And that's when you kind of get guys at a discount. So there is some value in that. Uh, that being said, you know, I don't think they should be necessarily even be looking for veterans. I think they should be looking for kind of younger guys that have been let go by other organizations, have been non-tendered, have been or maybe guys in situations where there, there, there is, you know, a team that like the Rangers who are trying to win now and, are, and don't have time to wait for some of the young players they had that you know, help them lose 90 plus games last year. Uh, Maybe there's some, some guys there that, that in a different situation are are good players. I mean, we we remember like the early Royals, some of the, some of the best players we got, Amos Otis, Fred Patek, John Mayberry. Those guys were shrewd trades where we got guys that were blocked in their organizations and we got them for a song and gave them a chance to play. And they ended up being very productive major leaguers. And we've seen, the Rays have made a habit of doing that of giving guys opportunities, and lo and behold, they become productive players. So I don't necessarily see, you know, I'm not I'm not bashing them for like not spending you know 40 million dollars on some you know mid rotation starter, but uh, not going out there and being a little a little more aggressive finding guys, uh, you know, and especially in the Rule Five draft, which I don't know if you want to talk about that, but not making a move and not making a single uh, you know draft pick in the Rule Five draft so you can protect. You know, Ryan O'Hearn, Anthony Masevich, uh, you know, some other guys who are, you know, marginally useful to this team, if at all. Uh, So, uh, you know, they should be looking to add any kind of young talent to this organization they they can. And we haven't seen that. And then, you know, it's a long offseason. Maybe we'll see it more, you know, come the start of the year in January. But um, it's a little frustrating as a Royals fan to see the team play so badly this year. And uh, see other teams making moves to get better and the Royals are sitting on the sidelines.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think when when you look at the big calendar year, the impatience is warranted because I looked up the tracker today. And when everyone's listening to this, there's going to be 63 days until pitchers and catchers report to spring training. So in my mind, you want to allow some wiggle room for these pitchers or any free agent signing, excuse me, to get acclimated to the Kansas City Royals organization and for the coaches to really know who they are going to go down south with to start spring training. Uh, Max, you, you touched on the Rule 5 draft. I I think we're looking at that coin from from do, two different sides. I wasn't really expecting them to make any moves. Um, that's a lot of pessimism, though, after, you know, bringing back ryan o'hearn and like you said just there's some there's some players on this 40 man roster that are they're just kind of operating within the margins like they can be useful next season but will they be useful the season after or the season after that like in the long-term scheme of things where do they sit with the kansas City royals now what I was excited about from the Rule 5 draft is the fact that the Royals did not lose any players. Um, the two big headline guys who are making national headlines, I do want to add, were TJ sigma and Logan Porter. I Entering the Rule 5 draft, I really thought those two guys were going to be gone. Max, were you surprised that those guys stayed with Kansas City?
1: A little bit. I mean, more than, than than Porter, just because, you know, I think left-handed pitchers – uh, tend to be a little bit more coveted. You know, it's more a it's, it's very pitcher-heavy draft uh, because, you know, you can always kind of stash a guy away in your bullpen. Uh, Sycamore, you know, was kind of close to Major League ready, played in the Arizona Fall League, but he did have a pretty lousy year uh, once, once he got traded to the Royals. Uh, didn't have a very good August to September, at least if you're just looking kind of ERA. I don't know if the underlying metrics were a little bit better for him, but, you know, he's a lefty that, you know, if you put him in the bullpen of a Major League bullpen – you know, you can kind of squint and see him maybe having some success. Uh, but, you know, teams passed on him, which is fine. I, yeah. It, so, you know, some people will say credit the Royals for kind of knowing, you know, who to protect and knowing that the risk was worth it. Um, I'd also say maybe maybe a lot of teams just don't see the look at the look at the Royals and see <laughs> them as a, a team that should be worth drafting from. Because, um, yeah. you know, some of the teams that got lost players, you know, there were some of the, the good teams, the deep teams, uh, you know, you're like your, your Dodgers and, and, and Red Sox. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good they didn't lose anyone. There wasn't really that many guys that I was too worried, like Sycamore, I would have been a little upset losing just because I think he does have some good upside outside of that. I mean, Logan Porter seems like a nice triple A guy. He can get on base uh, and he does have some positional versatility as a catcher. Um, but you know, I think 27 years old, I, I don't yeah. think you'd lose any sleep losing him. Um, and then the rest of the organization, you know, the rest of the non-protective guys, like, I don't know. I like Brewer Hicklin as a person. Um, mm-hmm. he's got some nice power speed. I don't think there's any chance of him getting drafted. Um, you know, so, and then the pitching staffs, it's usually pitchers you're worried about. And, and frankly, the Royals are pretty thin <laughs> at the pitching yeah. at, the, at, the, at the higher levels, which is part of why like, I mean, just getting back to. Uh, kind of their off-season strategy and, and being kind of quiet this offseason. You know, they talked about bringing in veterans uh, to be in the starting rotation. To, to I think uh, JJ Piccolo's words were bridging the gap. And I'm wondering, bridging the gap to what? Because <laughs> like, yeah. there's not, there's not like, like you know, if you see another wave of young prospects coming up, I can be like, okay, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll bridge the gap to, I guess, you know, that young wave. But like, Aza Lacy looks pretty lost. Frank Mazzucato and Ben Caderna are still couple years away who knows what can happen from now and then um and then rest of the guys that i kind of liked in their system took a big step backwards last year like anthony veneziano uh, alec marsh had a really poor season uh there's just not a lot of depth there so i don't know what you're bridging the gap to um but uh you know certainly they need some innings out of, of guys and you don't want to have to rely on chris bubich giving you 160 innings considering uh he has inconsistencies uh, so I get, you know, adding a starting starting pitcher or two. Uh, I don't know if bridging the gap is the way I put it. I'd say like just eating innings, so we don't mm-hmm. have to, so we don't have to rely on uh, bringing some kid up from Double A that doesn't uh, belong in the big leagues. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, the yeah, you know, the Rule Five, I think, is just a wasted opportunity. I think when you're a team that is as bad as the Royals that, that needs depth, I mean, you'd really look for every, every avenue uh, you can to add uh, talent to the organization.
0: Yep fully fully agree we need to replenish this uh this farm system a little little bit more as well so looking trying to think how to word this because bridging the gap a bridge goes from point a to point b and to your point there ain't no point b right now like we don't don't know how far that bridge is going to have to to travel um Now, I do have to point out, though, there are several pitchers that the Royals acquired in 2022 that were notably better with their previous organization. A couple of guys that I think of, you know, T.J. is one. um, Andrew Hoffman is another one who came over from the Braves. And just seeing that stark change, it does call into question the minor league pitching coaching staff, even. Because you you go back and watch the film on these guys, and they have really good stuff. I do like Hoffman's three pitch mix. I think it's I think it's pretty solid. I think you could work with it as a major league pitcher. His issue was how to deploy it and how to pace each at bat. So I am I'm I'm trying to find some silver lining behind what <laughs> they're what they're doing right now. Maybe the new front office thinks that they have the talent that they need they just need someone else to manage the talent and to get the most out of that talent because to your point ACLAC got or sorry guys like Asa jonathan boland fans were super high on like i really thought that ACLAC and boland would have been in the rotation by now in kansas city what i what happened is a mental, is a physical, which, I mean, to both of them, it's a little bit more physical, but they they just look lost. They just haven't improved as quickly as you would think. So I'm hoping that the front office thinks the raw talent is there for the current players. They just need someone else to develop them. What, what do you think, Max? You get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, and, and that kind of goes back to this, another comment that JJ Picola made this week about, um, how he felt like that the, the Royals were doing a pretty good job in minor league pitching development. It was that once they got to the major leagues, um, you know, they they weren't getting, getting the instruction that they, they perhaps needed um, which number one kind of thrown Cal Eldred under the bus, which like, I don't think Cal Eldred <laughs> did a great job, but um, I don't think it was all his fault. Like, you know, and I think that, you know, the, the exhibit a, for that I guess theory if you were to say that that was a problem would be Jackson Core, right? Jackson Core yeah. looked brilliant in the minors, put up great numbers, minor league pitcher of the year, and the organization gets to the major leagues and just doesn't look he looks lost. Like doesn't look yeah. like a guy that it's any business being in the big leagues. And and so for a guy like that I can say okay, well yeah, that he wasn't prepared for the major league. That that makes some sense. But, you know, a lot of these guys took a major step backwards like you know the guys you talked about in you know, Bolin, okay injury but you know guys like Alec Marsh like I said Veneziano um you know they they and the guys that we acquired in trades like you said like they did not look as good once they we once they came to the Royals organization and so to say our minor league pitching development's great um I mean I think yeah. that takes a lot of hubris at this point uh, yeah. I yeah you know, I think you know you still the jury's very much out on that um, and they did make some changes. I did. I want to note this week, uh, you know, in addition to hiring Brian Sweeney, they did make a few front office changes where, uh, Paul Gibson, who had kind of been running things on the, um, minor league pitching development side, he's going to be the senior director of pitching performance now. So he's kind of, I, my 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 sense is he's kind of overseeing the whole pitching development mm-hmm. operations now. So both at the major league and minor league level, uh, Mitch Studder. It sounds like is going to be doing kind of more of the minor league operations. And then they have, they hired a guy uh, named Justin Friedman who's going to be doing pitch design. And Nate Adcock, uh, who you may remember, uh, hard hardcore fans will remember him pitching for the Royals. He, only, he was only here very briefly. Uh, again, a Rule Five pick uh, who oh. pitched very briefly for the Royals. Uh, but he uh, he was working as a scout for the Royals. Will now be working as an assistant director of pitching performance. I think under under Gibson. So they sh- they they, they kind of readjusted the staff the the staff a little bit. Um, we'll see if that makes an impact. I guess also notably with the staff, um, John Mabry is gone. Uh, that didn't no. get a whole lot of news, but because uh, I don't think we knew exactly what he was doing on the staff other than maybe. Being, uh, being Mike Matheny's buddy, <laughs> so, yep. I mean, I'm sure he did things with the infielders and stuff, uh, but it was always he didn't have an assigned coaching role. He was just kind of there to fill in whatever. But anyway, he's not in the organization anymore, uh, so they are shaking things up a little. But for an organization that has struggled so much with pitcher development, um, I think it's a little frustrating that we haven't seen bigger shakeups and that they seem kind of content with the way things are going in the minor league level. I don't know. Is it? Is it alarming to you or are you, are you kind of still in the wait and see mode? Because we do got we have some young guys with talent. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see with some of them.
0: It's so much of the pitching development still goes back to this 2018 draft class. Because kind of in 2022, I thought, all right, we are, we've seen all of the 2018 pitchers in their full fullest. Like, no, we still have a lot of guys that were in the top five rounds that the Royals took that are not even sniffing the major leagues right now. So I do agree, I think it is an issue. However, um, to take the opposite side of this coin, I am very glad to see that they are making some changes at all because for years and years, and maybe this was Dayton, maybe this was Sherman, I don't know who made this call, but the Royals had one of the most antiquated coaching and development staffs in the league. Um, From not just analytics, which a lot of people point out, they didn't have any devoted analytics folks, but from the non-coaching player development side of the house, because you have to have coaches to be hands on down in the dugout, down in the bullpen with them every day. But you do need to have folks that are away from that, that are there to focus on the player as a person and also to break down that player's performance in game and in training. So the the Royals didn't have a whole lot of that. Their coaches were kind of covering down on, on both sides. And for some of these older coaches, that is too much. And they just cannot invest the time and energy that these young players needed. So I am glad to see that they are adding new titles. I don't know. I'm hopeful that with those new titles come new responsibilities. You know, that's the you can kind of put lipstick on a pig and it might still be a pig. But if you could teach the pig to stand on its hind legs, you got something going on, right, Max? <laughs> I mean, it's I'm I'm hopeful. I am. I don't think it's going to be overnight. Um, maybe, maybe if. Okay, let's put our tinfoil hat on. Tinfoil hat on for a second, Max. So one of the big gripes about Kansas City Royals fans is that Joel Sh- Sherman, or sorry, Mister Sherman, might just be in charge in sense of like the Royals are financial investment, you know, to get the most bang for his buck. I don't ascribe to him at all. But if that is his idea, then Piccolo can go to Sherman next year and say, look, we added all these positions in all these specialty areas and we improved in said specialty areas. You can go back and say, "Could you please invest more money so that we can get better people in these positions and also expand it?" D- Does that make sense, Max?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't. I I don't think he's in it this to just I, make I money either. either. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. No, I know, I know. I know there are fans that do think that. I do think he his his meaning is is good. Like I think he is wants the Royals to be competitive again and wants a crown jewel for the you know the city of Kansas City. Um, and so I, I do think he'll make the investments in the front office and, and, and upgrading the infrastructure. And I do think they are moving in the right direction. I do think they are taking a more data-driven uh, approach. Um, I think he's going to try to put a similar apparatus to what he saw in Cleveland when he was a minority owner there. Um, that's great. The, the thing is, though, they're playing catch-up. You know, they're playing – they're yeah. a couple years behind the Rays or a couple years behind Cleveland, and they need to be ahead of the curve. They need to be ahead of where the Yankees and Dodgers are because they cannot spend them. And so they need to be doing what's, what's the next thing. Uh, and so I do kind of feel like J.J. Piccolo is kind of – he's kind of – he has to play catch-up. And he has to – he's kind of saying the things that the Rays said five years ago. And hopefully we can get to a situation where he's got enough people in place – that they are ahead of the curve there and they will be the ones that, oh, the Royals are the model organization. Everyone wants to do it the, the Royals way. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, it's a, there's a long road ahead of them. Um, and, I, you know, as far as Sherman and Spending, though, I, we'll have to see. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think he's kind of a blank slate at this point. Um, I, I think there's some worries that he, he would run the team a little bit like Cleveland uh, has run the Guardians, uh, yeah. the ownership there, where... They're competitive, yeah, but they don't invest a lot in player payroll. They may invest a lot behind the scenes to make give them success, but you don't see them splurging on free agents or even locking guys up to long-term deals a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I could see Sherman running like that, running a team like that. I could see him running the team like Glass did, where they'll you know, spend a little bit of money but not a lot when the team is losing, but if the team's in a position to succeed, he'll splurge. Uh, that would make a little more sense to me. Um, you know, I can see them also just putting, making a big splash to try to win a vote for the stadium or to (laughs) Once they move into the stadium, maybe they make a big sports. So we'll have to see. Um, I'm not going to read too much into the fact that they're going to be pretty quiet this year, just because I think a lot of teams in this situation would probably be pretty quiet. You know, let's try to get a Let's try to get it going with homegrown talent. Let's wait a year. And then we'll kind of, you know, start, get, start adding pieces to these young players. But, um, you know, uh, as Lusky wrote, the clock's ticking on Bobby Wood Jr. You know, yeah. Clock's ticking on, on Vinny Pascantino. You know, uh, the clock's ticking on a lot of these guys, and you need to start fielding competitive teams if you want to maximize that window for some of these players.
0: It, exactly. And so that, that does call into question, what what does this front office believe their timeline is? Because I, I think about the Guardians and when they underwent kind of their mentality shift and in my mind, it's either 2017 or 2018 when they noticeably started changing up scouting and coaching and how they approached the game. And they're just now really reaping the benefits of those changes. So from a fan perspective, it is going to be really frustrating to tell folks, Hey, we're, we might be hitting the reset button on, on this whole thing. And Max, I max, I'm sorry, I'm flipping it back to you so many times, but would you would you rather they be transparent with it, or would you rather them try to find another way to not have to wait so long?
1: Oh, you know, there's always gonna be I, yeah. I, I think it's hard to sell. Hey, by the way, we're not gonna be good this year again. Yeah, <laughs> I know just you know, it's it's a hard sell. Uh, so I get not being totally upfront. I mean. It, You you sell this as you know we're going to go with the young kids and look fans have been asking play the kids you know all the summer we heard play the kids play the kids we don't want to see Carlos Santana blocking Nick Prada. we don't want to see you know uh, Michael A Taylor block Drew Waters we Mm -hmm. want to see the young kids play and so now they're going to let the young kids play and that I mean you know not not necessarily being active in free agency and and I mean I think there's some pieces they could add but um, but for the most part it's going to be you know a lot of these young young players and and you know. I'm, I'm okay with them kind of going that route. Um, but like I said, it, you kind of have to start winning here pretty soon because yeah. unless they sign Bobby Wood Jr. to a 10-year deal tomorrow, I mean, uh, which that would be cool. It um, would. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that otherwise you got to start – you got to at least – and I know some fans are like, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't they be thinking about free agency for him already. But I think that's always got to be in the back of your mind and assume he it's free agency until he signs that contract, because, uh, you, you know, you can't you can't plan out having a contender in three, four years. And and Bobby Wood junior be part of it only to have him be a free agent, you know, after the first year of that. So exactly. Uh, so you need to you need to keep these things in mind. And I think they are. But, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a tough sell to say. Yeah, I know. You, I know it's been what you know four really bad years, uh, but or five really bad years. Goodness, yeah. but um, yeah, we're gonna have another year at least of this because uh, it, things are just kind of a mess right now. And we want to go young, so. But uh, you know, like I said, I think I do like the direction that they are going. It, it is just it's. I think the speed of it is is, is kind of the most frustrating thing.
0: There you go. That that is a very good way to to sum that up. So, look, we're we're still going to be around. We're still going to cover any Royals news that happens to trickle in. Max, thank you very much for detailing out those um, front office and coaching changes for the listeners. But of course, please make sure to go check out the Royals review website for daily news, daily analysis on all things Kansas City Royals. Like we said, there ain't a whole lot going on, but we're still talking about things because there are still, the clock is ticking before the 2023 season. And we got to, we got to analyze some of these things before it is too late. Now, Max, I am, I'm taking a hard left, man. And all day today before the Chiefs game, my wife subjected me to watching Christmas movies. (laughs) And it is. For the longest time, my mom, she would exclusively watch the Hallmark Christmas
1: movies.
0: (laughs) And it is I just got so tired of of that trope. But I do have to ask Max, is that like a like a staple of Christmas movies now?
1: Yeah, and there's some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of I don't I don't I can't say I really watch a lot of the the hallmark movies i i did there was one there was one that was just on tv and there was like nothing else on and i caught like 10 it was like really low budget i didn't recognize any of the actors you could tell it was like a city in california that had fake snow ah. but uh i caught a couple minutes of it but it's kind of like formulaic and nice and warm uh there there have been a couple decent christmas comedies Romantic comedies lately. Uh, we watched one last year. It wasn't Hallmark, but it was, um, I don't know if anyone knows a comedian, Jimmy, Jimmy Yang, I think he was on Silicon Valley. You probably recognize, mm-hmm. you might recognize him from that, but he has a standup act as well. But he had a, uh, a comedy, a romantic comedy with uh, Nina Dobrev, the very beautiful Nina Dobrev, where uh, basically he catfishes her. Yeah. And uh, and um, uh, and it's kind of like a Cyrano de Bergerac story where uh. it's his, his good looking friend that she falls in love with. But he's actually the one behind it. Uh, but it is during Christmas time. So I, that was actually a funny and cute comedy that we enjoyed. I I'm I I should get the name of it because um, I I people may want to check that out. But yeah. uh yeah, I don't know. The, the the you know, it's something nice to watch with the wife. Uh, Love hard. as it was was called. I think it was on Netflix. Uh, Love hard with Jimmy Yang and Nino Nino Dobrev. Uh, so that was a decent uh, Christmas romantic comedy. But I don't know. Are you more about the traditional uh, Christmas movies? I, so there are still so many of the
0: staple Christmas movies that I've I've not watched, frankly. Um my, you know, I grew up in a very, very conservative Christian household. And so the idea of my parents showing me, you know, National Lampoons Christmas Vacation <laughs> was on the farthest <laughs> thing. Yeah. And frankly, you know, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I still haven't sat down and actually watched that movie. Um, I just haven't been able to latch on to a Christmas movie that's been made in like the the past 30 years. I still I still love White Christmas. I I think that is that is a classic. I know it's super long, but I think the story's nice. And I I think what you said about the Hallmark movie is spot on. It just makes you it's nice and light and it's warm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a glass I, of warm milk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or exactly. eggnog,
1: I guess. Eggnog. Ah, there you go. Without <laughs> without the alcohol.
0: <laughs> yeah, well with with or without whatever makes you feel warm inside, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's I I like the Hallmark movies for what they are. I'm not the person who's going to sit down and watch every single new one they have, because it seems like they're putting out a new one at least two or three times a week, man. Like they're pumping these out like like rice cakes or something.
1: Well, and everyone else, I think, is kind of caught on that. People kind of like these in a. Sometimes ironic, but sometimes not ironic way like because they because they are kind of comfort food and people remember kind of growing up with these, I guess. And mm-hmm. so I know Netflix has a ton of these kind of movies. I think Amazon has got a bunch of these now. Like and they're they're like right up there. And I, maybe that's because of our algorithm. I they know my wife likes kind of romantic comedies. <laughs> and so they're they're pushing it pushing yeah. it towards but yeah um they they're, they're they're definitely pumping them out that's for sure <laughs> um, well but yeah, I was, yeah. But the, you can't go wrong with the classics like white christmas and uh oh, it's a wonderful life is another you know classic one um mm, yes the good old good old charlie brown that's that's yeah. another good one yeah
0: but see like those are all looking at the grand timeline like those are some really old movies now yeah. <laughs> you know those were uh, those are classics growing up but shoot you know, teenagers nowadays, they might not even know who the heck Bing Crosby is outside of his singing career.
1: <laughs> well, I asked, I asked my kids if they wanted to see a uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, and they, yeah. And, and they didn't know. They're, they're like, I was like, you know, it's a Christmas Carol story. Scrooge. They're like, who's Scrooge? Like, oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> i Have shown you guys Christmas Carol before? So we're going to <laughs> we're gonna have to do the Muppet Christmas Carol sometime this week because they're apparently not familiar with the story of Scrooge, which is uh, that's that's on me but uh yeah we'll have to expose them to some of the classics uh, and and uh so there's there's plenty out there so i don't think we're going to have any shortage
0: no no and you know while we're offering up suggestions i will have to say there's one on apple tv that i was skeptical going in it has ryan reynolds and will Ferrell. it's called spirited <laughs> yeah.
1: and have, have you watched that one no but i've been meaning to watch it i was going to i was going to have my older boy and i watch it uh sometime i
0: really enjoyed it, Is it? like I thought it was going to be really cringy, but the story was really good. It was really well put together. Um, I don't know how much auto tune they used on Will Ferrell, but man, like <laughs> that guy sounded good. Oh, because it's a musical, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a musical for the most part, and I am I am partial to musicals. I yeah. I do like them. That's funny. Uh, so <laughs> it might not be for everyone, but yeah. I thought it was it was pretty spot on. And a different take on the Scrooge story, but <sighs> look. To all of our listeners, if you have any Christmas movie suggestions, please tag me on Twitter at JMillTheHam. <laughs> I, I, I would love to start compiling a list, even if they're bad, if they're good, if they're ones that you grew up with growing. I would love to expand my holiday movie horizons. So I will be your guinea pig, and I will come back reporting to Max on my progress. <laughs> but Max, you have to make sure to get him to watch at least Christmas, one Christmas Carol, all right?
1: Well, again, we'll do Christmas Carol uh, for sure. But I was this is probably they're at a good age where they can start watching stuff that isn't like really little kid stuff. Probably not, you know, not the R-rated stuff. But uh, you know, the 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 Ryan Reynolds one I think was with PG thirteen. Maybe for the older boy, I think that's probably okay. But uh, yeah, well, there's they they love the Home Alone. The younger one loves Polar Express, which we saw at Union Station on their humongous oh, screen, wow. which is a real treat. Uh, that's one of his favorite movies of all time, so uh, that's pretty neat. But but yeah, a lot of good classics out there. This is a good time to bust out the classics, and uh, you know, it's it's this is what you remember when you get older. You're like, okay, yeah, I remember I remember watching this every every year. We gathered yeah. the family around, we watched this all together. So uh, that's kind of nice nice to, to to start some memories like that.
0: We were, we were digging out the Christmas ornaments and years and years ago when Polar Express first came out, my parents bought me like one of the bells and it had oh, a battery yeah. in it. Yeah. And if you shake it, it made, it made the sound and yeah, we dug it awesome. out. And that thing still works all these years later. So you can still hear the bell. Huh? I, can I can still, still hear believe. the bell. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's magic. <Yeah. laughs> but Max, um, I've, I've kept you long enough on this Sunday evening um before we get out of here though for our new listeners where can they find you on social media or where can they find your work at
1: uh so yeah check us out at royalsreview.com uh we don't have a lot to write about as far as transactions but we will probably come up with some trade ideas or free agent targets i've actually been kicking around an idea about uh comparing the young talent on the royals compared to some other teams um so we can kind of see how they stack up but uh, we'll always be on top of Um, all the latest news and you can check us out on twitter at royals review and my own personal account is uh at max reaper m-a-x-r-i-e-p-e-r uh so yeah check check us out sometime
0: well thank you very much for that max and to our listeners um this is this is a personal thing i'm not not getting paid to say this but i do want to stress um during this kind of downtime of the royals news cycle please make sure to go out there and support all the different Royals content creators that are out there. There are several people that are putting out really great work. We're just not all underneath one umbrella. So if you need some read material, there's plenty of folks out on Substack, on Twitter, who have their own websites that you can go and read. So after you're done reading Royals Review, please go and check those folks out. Again, my name is Jake Milham, I'm your host, and you can find me on Twitter at jmiltheham. I will be back recording Wednesday evening with good old Jeremy Greco and that'll be out Thursday morning for you to listen to but thank you again for listening and until next time go Royals!